What's going on, everybody? I'm Johnny Brook from Crafted Workshop. Welcome to episode number 45 of the Crafted Podcast here on September 6th, 2017. Figure I'm going to start throwing in the date here at the intro just so we have a, you know, a good point of reference for anybody who's listening back through the catalog. Fancy. So uh, we... <laughs> we put out shows every Thursday on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, pretty much everywhere podcasts are available. So you can go ahead and get subscribed there. If you really like the show, uh, go ahead and leave us a five-star review on particularly iTunes. That really, really helps out the show. Uh, also, we do have show notes for every episode, uh, craftedpodcast.com. We have all kinds of links to all the stuff we talk about. So uh, if you ever have questions about what we talked about during the show, that's a great place to check out. We're also on social media at Crafted Podcasts, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, it's a great place to a- ask us questions. You can also tag us on Instagram and your listener projects. And we live stream every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time on YouTube. Just search for Crafted Podcast. You'll find our channel there. And you can live stream with us, ask us questions, and see our faces while we, uh, <laughs> while we do the show. And hear it unedited. So sometimes you catch some stuff that doesn't make it into the final show. So uh, Also, we are on Patreon. We added a $250 goal, which we are creeping up to very, very slowly. And uh, that goal is for a weekend show, which will be one more extra show every week for everybody not just the patrons. So uh, that would be a pretty awesome goal for us if we hit that. Uh, We've got a bunch of different support levels. We have a weekly after show or after party, as we like to call it. Uh, And and that's another like five to 10 minutes of content every week. Um, And our top patrons this week are Make, Build, Modify, Master of None, and my mama, Debbie Brooke. And we've got a couple new patrons, uh, Kyle Bolendorf and Jonathan Steer. So thank you guys for joining up. And uh, let me introduce my co-hosts, as always. I've got James Wright from Wood by Wright. What's going on, James? Oh, so much is going on, but thank you so much for having me tonight. <laughs> and I've got Zach Herberholz from ZH Fabrications. What's going on, Zach? Hola. So, uh, yeah, what you guys been up to this week? I feel like we've been kind of all off in our own world this week. Who wants to uh, kick us off? James, you want to start us rolling? Yeah, I don't have that much going on. Um, other than I, I finished the bench, um, so it is officially done. Done. Um, I put out um, the first of the last three videos, so I put out the the first leg vice video, and I'll be putting out another leg vice video this this weekend. Yeah, and those. Uh, so why did you go with two? Because that's kind of interesting choice. It seems like that's a lot of uh, real estate right there on the front of your bench yeah um, well my my old bench um, was eight foot long and two really works well and anytime you're doing uh, edge jointing with something long it's just nice to be able to, to clamp it further out and so just having another leg vice there is is useful um, and having the the second one farther away from your normal working end usually is not that much of an issue you're not you know running past it that that often um, but uh, having that on my shorter bench, I kind of went back and forth whether or not I'd want to do that because my bench is only five foot long. And I, I ended up deciding I wanted to do different vices so that I could show different ways of doing things. So I have one that's completely traditional with the parallel guide at the bottom and all the pinholes. And then the other one, which is the Hovarder vice, which is very modern with the crisscross and it moves in and out instantly. Um, and so I can, I can show different methodologies for my videos, having multiple vices. Um, I don't generally recommend it for people making a five foot long bench, but for an eight foot long bench, I really enjoyed it. 
Yeah, it seemed like a, a lot of a lot of vices in a small uh, real <laughs> I estate. I do have but... many vices. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was. Uh, I mean, it's great for like demo purposes, you know. And I guess at the end of the day, we're all content creators, so being able to show the pros and cons of both—that's uh, that's pretty cool. So, have you done the dead man thing? Is that something you've had on any of your benches? I don't. No, think I remember seeing um, that. I've played with it in the past, and I've just never been a fan of it. Um, even, yeah, I don't know. I'm. I'm it's a lot of work for something that gets used very little and doesn't provide that much benefit in my mind. Hmm. But okay, everyone's yeah. different. Yeah, that's what it seemed like. I remember Wood Talk talked about that a while back, and all three of them were like, basically, they never use it, and it just kind of sits there, and yeah. it looks really cool, but... <laughs> You know, it's like that classic part of the the benchcrafted split top rubo design. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. Yeah, and it's, what, a, it's a lot of fun to make because you know making it slide efficiently and, and functionally is kind of an, an achievement, but uh, it's a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Well, what else have you been working on? Uh, well, I'm I'm finally getting to now that the bench is done. I'm working on the back wall behind me so I can hang up all my tools. Um, so I'm in the process of milling down lumber for creating a French cleat wall. And I'm really looking forward to that um, because I've never seen anyone make a French cleat wall with hand tools. Um, yeah. And that, that's been that, that's been kind of racking my brain trying to figure out how to actually do it. So I'm going to be doing a video here coming up showing multiple different ways of ripping a long board at an angle so that you can have a matching angle. Uh, for French cleats. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting one. I uh, I was wondering when you mentioned that in the leg vice video, whether you were going to like, you know, actually use a normal powered saw and, you know, just use the circular saw and rip lines down it. But uh, that'll be yeah. hand tool French cleats. I, I, I've never seen it done. So that'll be interesting. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I've had a lot of people uh, asking for it. So, and then of course, after that, I'll be making all of these saw tills and Things like that for hanging the tools and making it look really pretty. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. But, well, uh, yeah, the, I think the only other thing on my bench is um, I was challenged a while ago um, from uh, a Blue Jean Beekeeping Guy uh, YouTube channel, and uh, he wanted me to make a box. And so I kind of challenged him back and said, oh, I'll make a box, but I'm going to make it using only a chisel. And uh, so I'm I'm about to to start digging into that. So making only, a box the, with a lid. Only the handle end of the chisel. Yes. <laughs> Going to beat it into submission. Interesting. So that should be a fun yeah. one. You know, making an entire project from a piece of firewood using only a chisel. Yeah, that's going to be uh, that'll be unique for sure. But nobody could say, man, if only I had those tools. That's, yes. Uh, <laughs> go spend Especially five dollars at Harbor Freight. Yeah, I'll be using, uh, literally, I'll be using a Harbor Freight chisel and uh, nice. Aldi's chisel. Nice. Well, on that note, actually, I bought all the, uh, I bought your whole setup for sharpening uh, after seeing your video last week. So uh, I I do have a set of the Harbor Freight chisels, and I think I'll practice, you know, kind of getting, getting my sharpening game locked down with those before moving on to the fancy stuff, so... That'll be uh, that'll be interesting, I, and I have this like perfect offcut that is almost exactly a perfect little rectangle uh, from when I did the leather stool, and it's exactly perfect for a strop. So cool. that'll be uh, that'll be good. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see how that goes. It's gonna be kind of interesting. 
Are you going to make the, the inset for all three of the, the plates? Yeah, and I actually was thinking of like being super ironic and making it with my CNC just for the hell of it. <laughs> I like it. I like <laughs> and like laser cutting my logo on there, you know, just like totally pimping it out and like putting the grits or something. I don't know. I don't know, making it super fancy and uh, totally non hand tool. And then for hand tool sharpening, I thought that would be kind of funny. <laughs> but yeah, nice. Well, Zach, what you been working on, man? It's uh man, I feel like I say this every time, but it's it's been uh it's been crazy lately. Like uh I I mean, I feel like I'm just totally scatterbrained cuz we have this hurricane Irma thing that we're trying to deal with and that has been just chaotic. So, um yeah. But let, let's start from the beginning. The good news, I put out a new video today that seems to be doing really well that uh industrial th- farmhouse table that's my you have to say it in a movie voice when you have like those adjectives i feel like um but uh yeah so that's uh i put that one out at noon today and it's i think it already has over ten thousand views which is awesome so uh that was a really fun build that one's out uh next week as long as our house doesn't get blown away and uh you know disappear I, i have a uh blacksmithing project video i'm going to put up next week and it depends on how stuff goes this week i was planning on building a uh like welding up a bar stool this week that stool i want to do i have some shelving and also um there's a a chandelier that i might be doing for that bar that i did the irish flag video on i don't know if you guys saw that one or not yeah but uh Apparently Bushmills contacted them, so I might be some weird collaboration with this bar and Bushmills, which would be really awesome. Nice. So uh, we'll we'll see what happens there. But that's that's some good news. That's all I've got going on. Nice. Well, uh, I have been working some with concrete for the first time ever. Never done any sort of concrete work before, so that was kind of interesting. Um, did a lot of research. Watched a lot of homemade modern videos and DIY Pete videos. And, you know, I, it seems fairly straightforward, but just wanted to make sure, you know, I wanted to do as little like kind of finishing work as I had to basically. So, um, just use regular run of the mill. Like I think it's quick read pro finish 5,000 or something like that. So I I don't know if that's like, it's not like quite the standard quick read 5,000, but you know, really cheap from the home center kind of thing. And I added some, uh, concrete coloring to make it kind of darker. So our whole back patio is this huge concrete slab. And then we have all of these rocks that are like in this kind of sloped hill area, I guess they're for drainage. But so basically our entire back patio is this kind of gray color. And so I was thinking, okay, if I just add another, cause this is going to be an outdoor end table. If I add another thing that is that same gray color, it's just going to be completely lost in this grayness. So I figured, you know, let's, let's dye the concrete. And then I think I'm going to do the, the base out of metal. I think I'm actually going to use rebar just to try it out and see how that goes. And it's easily accessible. And, you know, it was like $12 from the uh, home center and already pre-cut in all these lengths. So, uh, and then I think I'm going to spray paint it white. So hopefully that'll turn out well. I still haven't taken it out of the mold quite yet. I think I'm going to do that tomorrow morning. Um, I wanted to kind of give it plenty of time to, uh, cure 
because I was a little worried that I used a little too much water. It's really kind of easy, I think, to go from very dry to then very soupy really, really quickly. So seems like there's kind of a really fine line there. So um, I, that that's hard work, though, man. Mixing concrete, not very much fun. And I mixed like so, so much more than I needed to because I did my like square footage math wrong and mixed an entire 80 pound bag. And this thing is like a 13 inch wide uh, hexagon. So it's, it's what is way... it? Uh, I was, I was trying to keep up with the live chat. So I totally missed, I, I saw the video, but is it, is it a little table? Yeah. It's going to be a little like side table basically. And that's the top is the concrete. Yep. That's the top. That's so cool. I wanted to make two, but I had all this trouble. Like I bought a two foot by four foot piece of melamine and you know, basically had to cut the form twice because the first time I did it, I, I used, I just used hot glue to, to attach it all because I wanted to be able to be, you know, taken apart pretty easily. Um, and putting together a hexagon like one piece at a time and getting that last piece to line up perfectly was very difficult. So, um, I actually had to do it three times, I guess. So, like, I totally ruined the baseboard or the base, you know, of the, form uh, by doing one side screwing it up flipping it over doing that side screwing it up and then i had to cut another piece um so i was hoping to do two in tables but anyway only only ended up with one so that's fine but uh just give me a chance to build another one in the future and yeah so it went well so far but we'll see um it's uh, definitely an interesting kind of thing it's so cheap like that was what is crazy to me is it like that 80 pound bag of concrete was like five bucks or like four bucks and was enough for a couple of these little end table tops. And then the steel is like $15, you know, it's like unbelievably cheap. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, what's, what's the base going to be Uh welded rebar. Sweet. Yeah. You're, you're, yeah. you're like heating my project advice. Huh? <laughs> well, I'm trying to make it a lot more kind of modern and, and we'll we'll see how that goes. I mean, it, did you, know, you it, use SketchUp or did you do it by hand? Oh, I have not done any SketchUp. You guys would be very proud of me. Wow, like, uh, what? Totally... I mean, I think for anybody yeah. who didn't listen to the last podcast, yeah. I think I, I use SketchUp. I think it's great, but I also think that that was my challenge to Johnny is to yeah. do a project without using because he's so he's so like uh, organized. I go in with my cut list, but yeah, literally, I went into the shop. And I Googled like how to figure out the length of a piece of a side of a hexagon, you know, cause I, I knew I wanted it kind of around 13 inches wide and just kind of went with it and just picked out a thickness for this concrete top and then went to, to Lowe's and went to their pre-cut rebar section and was like, this looks good. This looks good for the, you know, upright section, this for the triangular base. So just kind of went with it. So We'll see how it goes. If it all fails miserably, then I know who to blame. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it uh, it's going. You know, it's a it's a simple build, and and it'll be good. I haven't welded in a really long time, so um, that also leads me to I I got that welding table from WeldTables.com forever ago, and uh, and finally going to put it together before I actually weld up this uh, uh, base for the side table. So nice. that will be that'll be nice, man. That thing is sweet. I, I tried to do it today but i ran out of clamps i you really kind of have to clamp every joint of that table because you want it basically the idea is that all the pieces of the 
kind of aprons and all that stuff for the welding table are perfectly straight and flat because they were cut with a plasma cutter or a laser. And so you want to clamp it all really tight together at every intersection. And I just didn't have enough clamps. So I got to figure out how to clamp, especially like the interior kind of cross brace sections, you know, they're kind of on the inside of the table. So I'll probably just get a couple long bolts and uh, clamp them down. But that should be the thing should be pretty sweet. It's a it's a very nice table. Do those do, does, do those tables have casters on them or are they just? Yeah, you can, and and I got the kit with the casters, <clears throat> so I didn't get the the one that's intense as Jimmy's. Uh, yeah, I didn't get the whole like six inch thick with holes on all sides. Mine is just a flat top with a bunch of holes, and then just some kind of the cross support pieces underneath that make it really nice and flat. And then the legs and the casters. So it's uh, three feet by four feet. So which should those, be those things look size. nice, but man, I feel like. Uh... Like, cause my, my welding table is pretty ridiculous. Like it's small and it's not flat. <laughs> yeah. Like, but, well, uh, I don't have room for a bigger one. And the one thing that it does have going for it is it's stainless steel, which is really nice. Yeah. I mean, I don't ever have to worry about rust and like, yeah. I mean, they have them in a bunch of different sizes. So and they, they have as small as I think two foot by four foot. So um, it's, they are really, really nice. And if you put them together properly, they are dead flat. So, um, definitely. Well, I don't know how thick are those, do you know, like the top, um, this one is three sixteenth inch steel, yeah. I think. See, I feel like I'd want like quarter inch or, or more. Cause and if you're using like a with quarter. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Cause if you're using, I, I think it'd be fine for welding, but if you're using like an oxyacetylene torch or something and you yeah. get a lot of heat on there, like it's going to warp. Well, that's the whole point of all the, the structure underneath is that there's basically, it's basically like a, it's almost like a torsion box huh. uh, design. And so that. it's all crossed braced together. And I, I think you'd have a hard time effing it up once you put it together. Honestly, it's uh it's it's a pretty beefy thing, especially like the one that Jimmy got, the the really thick one, because it's it's even more of a torsion box style design. So it's uh it's pretty killer, man. I, I definitely you should definitely give it a give it a look see because they I mean they sent this one to me, so I'm sure they'd send one to you because um, you do a whole heck of a lot more welding than me. So that would be very useful. But yeah, so anyway, I've been talking a lot, so that's most of what I, I've been working on. Uh, it's been kind of a slow week for me, which is kind of nice. I've been kind of taking it a little bit easy, which especially in been... comparison to the last few weeks. Yeah, it's been it's been really good. I've I've I'm kind of only doing three videos this month, so it's really nice to have kind of a week to not have to put out a video. So. I can't believe I've put out like I'm on schedule to put out a video a week for like three weeks or four weeks or something in a row. It feels, I nice. feel like I'm on top of the world. Like yeah. I didn't know it was possible. Granted, they've been like, some of them have been kind of small, but, uh, feels good. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's, it's a breakneck pace to try to put out as much content as we do. It's, uh, it's a lot of yeah. fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's good to have some time off occasionally or just time, you know, to, to focus. I also just like cleaned up the shop. I sold a bunch of tools that were extras and laying around. It feels really good to go back in there now and have everything kind of more organized and less cluttered. And it's, uh, 
yeah, it's always good. You had any luck selling your Rubo? Yes, actually. Wow. So, sold awesome. it to a guy locally. So yeah, the Rubo will be, It's he put down a deposit. He's going to come pick it up in like a week or two. And uh, yeah, so sold it's it to a guy space. who follows me on Instagram. So that's, that's great. Uh, yeah, it is great because I, you know, really don't need two benches and <laughs> having, uh, having it go to somebody who will actually use it will be a, a very good thing. So, and man, that Joe Berg's bench, it is really nice. It, that thing is pretty killer. I, uh, I, I love the storage and the vices on that thing are really cool. So, um, I'm digging that. So, well, let's, I guess, dive into our show topic. So we're going to talk about, you know, kind of how, how we plan out projects a little bit and, and kind of some of the potential issues that we might run into with some of our future projects and kind of how we try to avoid that kind of stuff. Think ahead, you know, work through these issues, hopefully before the project even starts and, uh, you know, kind of be ahead of the curve there. So who wants to kick us off here? Well, I can. I've got one got coming up yeah. that I've been hashing around. I was talking about the the, uh, the French cleat wall, and uh, that was one that was, you know, not having anyone ha- having seen anyone do a, a long angled cut like that before. Um, kind of, you know, it was one of those things that you you just don't know how you're going to do, and you don't know how it will turn out because you don't have anything to compare it to. You don't have anyone else to go to and say, Ooh, well, they did it. And I guess I can do it too. Um, and for most things, I think the first time I try something, that's what I'm going off of is seeing someone else do it and being like, Oh, they can do it. I can do it. Um, but, uh, this one was kind of a different thing. And so I spent a lot of time thinking through different ways of doing it. Um, and going back and forth between, you know, do I build a jig for this one particular use? Um, do am I overthinking it? Um, do I want to do it a more difficult way? Um, do I want to do it a way that challenges me? Do I want to try and find the fastest way? Do I want to try and find the way that I find the most intriguing, the most fun? Um, and kind of playing through what do I want to get out of that as opposed to just how do I do it? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Because I, so, I think a lot of times we look at a problem and, and try to figure out how to solve the problem rather than trying to figure out, you know, can we define the problem enough to find different solutions and be able to, um, you know, find something that's not just the answer, but something we weren't expecting. Yeah. Well, and I think for us, you know, the interesting challenge is sometimes the easiest route is not the most interesting content you know almost always the easiest route is not the the most interesting content you know so having to try to come up with something that you know both fits what would make a good video and would also be doable and and repeatable and and all that kind of stuff i mean i think you know like to me using the domino is a prime example of that domino doesn't make for very exciting video you know what i mean it's like you know you you know you line it up with the lines and put the thing together. It's really, it's really, really simple. You know, it's not all that ate too much. Pretty much. Yeah. So it's, it's not like, you know, fitting, you know, true mortise and tenons and and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, that's, that's interesting. So, so what solution did you come up with for the French clean? Have you figured it out yet? Well, yes, I, well, yes and no. Um, I've come up with three different methods that I want to try. 
um, number one, if, if I had my druthers, the way I would do it is I would, I would take the board and I'm planning on ripping them out of boards that are approximately five inches by um, a little over three quarter inch thick. And is, is ripping an ex- them right down I've the middle. I've never heard that before. Did you say if I had my druthers? Yes. Oh, you never Sorry. heard that? Do, do tell. I've never my southern coming out. Oh, I've, I've heard that. Yeah. I'm I'm not from around here. Round here. <laughs> Damn Yankee. Uh, it, D- um, what is a druther? <laughs> I have no idea. I don't know. Where the heck does that phrase come from? If I had things the way I wanted things. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. A person's <laughs> preference right, right. in a matter. That is a druther. It's a, right. a noun. Car- carry on. I, that was that was interesting. <laughs> I had to interrupt. Yeah, so I... Uh, the easiest way or the way I would initially want to do it is take the board and stand it up in a vise and then come down it with a saw on an angle. And so rather than cutting an angle in the wood, I would just turn myself to be at the appropriate angle to the wood and I would cut a straight line in reference to me, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. But I want to do this out of pieces that are eight foot long mm. and I can't stand them up in the vise and, and, and cut at the top. Why don't you just um, cut them to... Well, that's one of the the things that I wanted to do in this is I wanted to challenge myself um, because the easiest answer is, you know, cut them to four foot long, put them in the vise and cut them. Um, That that would be the easy answer. But I want to I want to challenge myself and I want to actually create a video that is, you know, people haven't seen before something that's a little different. Hmm. And so part of that challenge was I do want to cut them out of full eight foot long pieces. The other thing I'm doing to challenge is the. The traditional way, the easiest way, is rather than cutting two pieces out of a five-inch wide piece of stock, you cut your pieces to you know um, three inches wide. You chalk them up on the the vices, and you you plane an angle into one edge of it. Yeah. And that's fairly straightforward. Um, but again, I don't want to do the straightforward thing. I want to I want to have that that challenge in there. Um, so number one, I'm going to try and do it free-handed. So I'm going to do it on the saw vise and kind of lean myself over and, and clamp it to the, 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 the saw bench um, and see if I can if I can handle it like that. Um, it's the simplest way. It's the easiest way. And a lot of times that is is the, the most enjoyable, especially with hand tools, just to be able to, to freehand it. Well, and as long as you keep those pieces matched up with each other, then any mistakes should actually fit perfectly together anyway, right? Because, I mean, if you go off angle at all, as long as it, you well, match up those original pieces, then that off angle is going to be the same on both yeah. sides. Um, and I, I will end up cleaning up my saw marks by, by planing them down at the bench. And oh, okay. it'll be a few passes as opposed to a whole bunch of passes to yeah. remove the material. Hmm. Um, then number two is I build a jig to hold the lumber at an angle in the saw vise, in the saw bench. Um, and that way I'm still, I'm still cutting vertically. But the piece is held at an angle. Kind of like, almost like a miter box, but for ripping. Yeah, kind of. Um, what about a so molding plane be... at 45 degrees or something like that? Like something that would cut a very thin strip out from in between them that you could just run all along the edge. That would be interesting to make a specific tool just for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so those are those are the two main methods that I'm going to I'm going to try and hmm. and I'm gonna first of all I'm gonna experiment with them and find out which I like what I don't like and how I can do them better and then create a video about what I've learned in that. Yeah. Um, so I'm 
I'm kind of interested. And then it's the whole process of, okay, now I've created these and I have a hand tool channel and I want to attach them to studs in the wall. Screws. <laughs> um, but screws are just kind of like, ah, and I really haven't come up with something that's like, ooh, this would be a much better idea than screws. Um, other than, you know, running a dowel into every stud and doweling them into the wall, which would be kind of interesting. Um, but I don't know. I haven't, I haven't quite, uh, answered that question. <laughs> I mean, what about like, I mean, I guess something like a cut nail or something just wouldn't have the holding power that you'd want. Um, no, because the, 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 the torsion on it would, would yeah. want to pull it away from the wall. Yeah. So you have to have something to secure it. I haven't, I, I, I've done a little bit of research. I mean, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes worth of hunting for traditional methods of, you know, what are French cleats? Why are they called French cleats? Where did they come from and how were they originally attached? Um, there's gotta be some methodology there, but I don't know. (laughs) If anyone out there knows, let me know. I'd love to hear that. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. As, As well as the, uh, etymology of druthers <laughs> druthers <laughs> while you're at it uh, nice nice we haven't had a joke of the week for a long time i know yeah you guys need to get with it you've been slacking yeah maybe maybe somebody will uh go the extra mile and post one in the live chat so that we can have a joke of the week perhaps this week perhaps yeah. well that, be clean though that really is one of the, the main reasons why i one of the big things I love about hand tools is every project I do, I come across those same questions of, you know, if I were a power tool guy, I'd pull out the table saw and run the board through it and I know. get out some drywall screws and sink it to the wall. Yeah. <laughs> where's the, where's the, the complication? But as soon as you start, you know, putting those, uh, putting constraints on yourself that don't need to be there, mm-hmm. then suddenly you have a challenge on your hand on yourself. And if you can, if you're the type of personality that a challenge is, is fun and enjoyable, putting those constraints on yourself then becomes a very fun thing. Yeah. That's interesting. I probably just wouldn't use French cleat. Probably just <laughs> get a pegboard. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Well, I'm sure. I mean, I have all sorts of comments like that. You know, this is a dumb way of doing it. Why don't you just get a table saw? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Well, uh, one that I have coming up or, not even coming up. One that I've been trying to do for quite some time now is this uh, kind of smart kegerator. Uh, I, I don't know if I've talked about this on the show before or not, but it's a, a video I'm going to do for the Make Magazine channel. And basically, you know, a, a typical kegerator, you know, serves kegs of homebrew or, uh, you know, that beer, obviously. And I think I'm going to also have uh, nitrogen or nitro coffee on as well. So I can do yes. kind of, yeah, iced coffee on nitro, which will be really cool. But if, if any of you guys have ever used a kegerator, then you know that one of the most annoying things is trying to figure out how much is left in the keg, especially, you know, if it's just a, you know, a five gallon keg and you're the only person drinking out of it, that could take a while. You know, five gallons is a lot of beer. So, you know, that's like 50 beers. So, um, you kind of never know when that keg is going to kick and, you know, you can always open up the kegerator and pick it up and try to gauge how much is left. But, you know, inevitably it seems to be when you're having a party or guests over or whatever at the most inopportune time. So, um, there are a couple of builds out there that have basically digitized a kegerator and, and added what is a, a, basically a flow meter 
in the lines of the keg to where when beer is being poured, this flow meter has a little, basically like a little fan that turns as the liquid goes past it. And there's a little wire that then connects to either an Arduino or a Raspberry Pi. And that data can be used to figure out, okay, the keg started with this much volume. This beer was poured and it, it took that much beer out of the keg. And so now this is what's left in the keg. And so there's a couple different builds out there that kind of utilize that system, but there's a few issues. One is that most of those builds are really outdated. Uh, so it's not just like a drag and drop kind of thing to where, you know, you could just go download the code and use it. And I've never worked with a Raspberry Pi or Arduino, so uh, I have no idea what I'm doing as far as code. Uh, the other issue is these flow meters for ones that are like NSF rated, actually rated for, you know, food use. They're extremely expensive, like $100 per sensor. So even like a three-tap kegerator, which is pretty standard, that's 300 bucks for just the flow meters, which is just crazy. Um, so though there are cheaper ones, but they're not NSF rated. And so they're for things like, you know, uh, you know, automatic sprinkler systems and stuff like that. So you just never know what kind of crap might be in there. You certainly don't want to be drinking through that every day. Um, and the other thing is very invasive into the lines of the kegerator. So all those issues, uh, trying to figure out a way to make it less invasive, uh, more kind of simple as far as the, the code requirement. Cause the other thing with a lot of these existing codes is they had like social media features and stuff built in. And I don't really care for my kegerator to tweet every time I pour a beer. I just want it to tell me how much, how much beer is left in the keg. Um, so unless somebody's like breaking into your house and drinking when yeah, you're not there. Yeah. It could be I, useful. <laughs> like me. Yeah. It's just one of those things. It's like, I want it simple. I just wanted to tell me what's left in the keg and it'd be kind of fun just to know like how much beer did I just pour on that pour or whatever, you know? So really simple. And so, uh, we decided, I think that we're going to use, uh, scales rather than flow meters. And that way the keg will be sitting on a scale and as liquid is poured, the keg will get lighter. And, you know, the scale will send that data to the Raspberry Pi or Arduino and uh, make, you know, that be the the method of keeping track of the amount of beer left because that way you don't have to splice anything into the lines and deal with all that. And scales are like, you know, 15 bucks, so much, much cheaper. And so are you going to have to drink an entire keg to show how well it works in the movie, in the video? <laughs> yeah. To well, calibrate it. Yeah. yeah. To calibrate it, you know, got to. <laughs> we'll have a calibration party. Yeah, exactly. Donnie's house. Exactly. So <laughs> as you can see, I've done a ridiculous amount of research on this. And so just trying to work through the technical side of that project has been insanely difficult. And um, finally, one of the guys over at Make is just going to help me do the code. So uh, it's one of those things that. I think a lesson I learned through all this is don't be afraid to ask for help, you know, cause I'm, I'm the type of person who tries to do everything on my own and I'm very bad at delegating. And so, you know, being able to use resources I have in, in other people, uh, was the only thing that was going to basically make that project work. Cause I was basically at the point where I was going to throw in the towel. Cause I'm like, I don't have, I don't have the know-how technically to be able to, you know, create all this code and stuff. And, you know, just a quick little brainstorming session with Tyler over at Make. You know, we kind of came up with this new method of, you know, tracking how much beer is left and he's working on the code. So, yeah, it's uh, 
it's it's that that to me was kind of the takeaway from that is you know don't be afraid to ask for help um when when you're kind of thinking about projects and and what issues you might have and you know thinking about maybe not doing them because you can't figure out how to do it because there's tons of great resources out there i mean i know like that i like to make stuff group on facebook is really good for that i mean uh, there's there's a bunch of them so what about you, Zach? You got uh, any upcoming projects that you've been kind of nervous about? I don't have about? any like particulars. Um, I just have general encompassing ways that I deal with situations, which is usually just head first. <laughs> like, so I, I mean, I, I mean, I guess I can think of examples. This is like that question that you get at job interviews, where they're like, "Tell us about a time where you've overcame an obstacle in the past." I'm like, I can't remember, but. Uh, <laughs> No, I mean, I, I I think it's, I know for me, because I used to be like super, it's probably hard for some people to believe, but I used to be like super incredibly like organized and structured and everything was was planned out, every detail. And, and I, I never did anything because I'd always find those obstacles and it would stop me because I'm like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do about this, this little tiny this 1% of the project, I don't know how I'm going to finish that. So I wouldn't even get started. I mean, this is before I'm building stuff, but, um, that's how I got into building stuff was, you know, it was, it was no pressure. It was like, well, I'll figure it out when I get there. And that's, that's worked for me. Um, you know, if, if there's something like that, that red, uh, industrial desk build, I'm like, man, I've never done a drawer before. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I know how I want it to look. And I just started the project. I'm like, I'm sure I'll figure it out when I get there. Everything else is planned out. I have the details, but exactly how I'm going to do it, I, I didn't know until I got there. And then, you know, it's just, it, it seems, it seems like it comes to you. I mean, you hear musicians talking about this, the same thing about, you know, songs coming to them. I feel like once you start, uh, you know, it'll just kind of, that's the hardest part. I mean, it's so easy to get comfortable thinking about doing stuff and, but, you know, walking out the door is, is the hardest part. I mean, every, you know, it's the same thing as like going to the gym, like everybody wants to do it, but nobody feels like doing it, you know, like, so being able to differentiate the two, it's like, well, I can get the majority of this done and I'll figure the rest out as I go. That has been like probably one of the biggest like uh, cognitive shifts in my thinking. Uh, I don't know how to phrase it, but it's it, it, when you're moving and you're working and you're doing stuff, it just seems a lot easier to figure out how to pro- solve problems when you're in the middle of them than, yep. you know, trying to in front of your sit computer. on the couch and yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. No, definitely. So that's, that's my strategy. I mean, if you, if you have plan out everything that you can to the best of your ability but if there's a few details that you don't have, like don't let that stop you. Like get out there and get started. And and more times than not, I mean, I I can't think of a time where I've done that and it's failed. Yeah. Like the only time I've ever tried building something and it failed is when I did no plans at all and I just thought I would do it off the top of my head. <laughs> like that's that's a recipe for failure. I was just How trying to work. build. It was like when I first moved into this house and I was going to build a speaker stand. And I just didn't have, I just didn't have a concrete plan in my head. So I screwed all this wood together and it just fell apart. And I'm like, okay, 
<laughs> so, I mean, I didn't, I didn't have a solid idea. I had like no, no plan in my head. I'm like, I'll just build a box and put a stick on the bottom of it. And I didn't have any measurements or anything. And it was just, it was really funny. So that's, I mean, if you have some sort of plan, like just get out there and start. Yeah. No, I think that paralysis by analysis thing is, is very easy, especially in this day and age where you can Google something to death. You know what I mean? Like that is, you can just spend way, way, way 75 videos on YouTube for every topic. Yeah. And a, a equal number of forum threads where, you know, there, every person has completely opposite opinions on everything. You know, it's, it is, I think the internet is one of the best and worst things for, for what we do because, you know, there's just so many opinions, especially like things like finishing and joinery. And I mean, there's some hotly contested, you know, things. There. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I think I, I will, that's I why those chairs today. took me so long is because I spent so much time trying to research them to make sure I didn't screw them up. And, you know, it's like, if I had just gone for it, I would have been done with them two months ahead. I, yeah, I watched, uh, it's funny cause I mean, you hear, you hear Jimmy talking about the knife nerds all the time and there's just certain, certain groups of people that are hypercritical. And I think that letting that get to you and, and letting other, like worrying about what other people think about what you're going to do is, is can be super hindering. I don't know if that's a word, but, um, it can, it can, it can be a really negative thing. And, and they're, they're certainly out there. I watched this video today, this guy making a, uh, he made a knife out of a wrench, like an old rusty wrench. And it was really cool. I mean, he, he did a great job. And then like the first comment is like, why did you cut off the threads? Surely you could have incorporated that into the blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, <laughs> dude, he just made a knife out of a wrench. Like, what did yep. you what did you do? Like, yep. you told them how he could have done it differently? Like, sure. But it's just that attitude. Like, there's there's those people out there that, like, no matter what you do, they're going to, well, what you could have done it this way. Or you could, you know, and it's, that's that's just, yep. it's not helping. So don't worry about what other people think. Because no matter how perfect you do something, there's going to be people out there that are going to criticize it. But the vast majority of them... The fact that you're doing it is is worth a lot more. So, I don't know. Yep. And yeah. then there's also the people who are paralyzed by, I don't have that tool. Oh, man, yeah. For sure. And there are a thousand ways to make anything. Yep. And I like to tell people, there is no wrong way to make things. You know, you'll have people who tell you, this is the right way to do it. Or, this is the best way to do it. No, there is no right way. There is no best way. Everyone's going to do it a different way. And the only way that you can do something wrong is if you do it in a way that endangers yourself or other people. Yeah. And even that's up to discussion. <laughs> Depends on what people you're endangering. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that's one of the biggest reasons I haven't tried knife making is because talk about going down a freaking rabbit hole, man. Once you start looking into that stuff, I mean, it's like, you know, what type of steel should you start with? How do you quench it? Like, what do you quench it Martinizing in? Martinizing and, yep. like, How do you words temper that it? you've never even heard of in uh, science class. Yeah, it's, it's a, it is a vast world of 
misinformation <laughs> because man uh, everybody's again got their own opinion on what works and what doesn't and yeah that that is honestly one of those things that you know i i'm totally set up to build knives and i really am totally love a good knife and you know kind of collect knives kind of and still you never have, built one you have to quench them in like uh 78 vintage Malbec. That's yeah. the only way to, to I mean, properly harden a knife. Dude, some of the stuff people come up with is insane. It's like, how about some motor oil and call it a day? You know, it's a, uh, yeah. It, I mean, obviously it depends on the type of steel you use and there's all kinds of crazy alloys out there now. And that, I think that's the thing that, you know, the, the type of steels available have changed drastically uh, in the past little while. And, you know, the types of steels used for knife making, are crazy weird alloys, uh, you know, especially by like binge made and companies like that. So, um, you know, I think just a, a regular old 1095 or 1084, you know, high carbon steel is going to be a lot easier to work with, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, no, you got to use any one. Oh, one. Yeah. Oh, one is the only, the only good steel. <laughs> the only good steel. That is, uh, quite the statement. <laughs> It, it depends. I mean, and there is a lot that, you know, whether you, everything's a compromise. So if you want the sharpest tip, that's not good for hitting stuff hard. Exactly. Uh, or if you want something that is a hacker, that's going to be not hold quite the edge, but it won't chip. You know, there's, there's always a compromise. There's no, yep. I don't think you can, you can have no, there is tens no best in deal. every category. So Yep. No, it's, uh, yeah. it, it is always a compromise and it always depends on the type of tool or knife or whatever you're making. Cause I mean, a chopper versus a fillet knife are not going to be anything in common, you know? So yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of interesting. Well, you guys got any other projects that have hung you up or should we move on to, uh, what well, we've got a few Q and A's actually. Yeah. yeah, let's move on to the Q and A's. Okay. We'll save, I guess, let's save one of them for the after show. We'll save the best one. Actually, they, for the you know what, show. honestly, we can save them both for the after show because <laughs> we're, we're at four. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we've, we've, uh, we've hit our length, uh, for this week. Yeah. So. That's like, our quota we, you just, you there. just successfully bait and switched yeah. a oh, good amount of our did listeners. I accidentally plug our <laughs> Patreon? I mean, I really didn't mean to do that, but if you would like to hear <laughs> or, that or after our show. Feed. Yeah, five dollars a month. It's a, a pittance. Just you know, avoid that one cup of coffee from Starbucks, and it tastes like crap anyway. So you know, just avoid it and throw it our way, and you can get good quality content every week for five measly dollars. So, <laughs> all right. So, uh, you like that segue, man? We talked about that last week. All right, so. That, uh, that's a that's a throwback to last week. Oh, we episode. have a we have a joke of the week that we should share before we we do cut our our week. normal listeners off. Which I think we've actually done this one or something very similar, but we'll, we'll not we'll, the not the poplar one because we've done that one. No, this this one we've done too, but I'll do it again. Oh, really? Yeah, something very similar. Oh, now I feel bad for telling the other guy we couldn't read his because we already read it, and now we're going to read somebody <laughs> else's that we've already read. Well, the poplar one is kind of you know that's like the that's poplar. That's the stable generic woodwork joke. joke. Yeah. Uh, all right, so here's here's the joke. Why Actually, did... Fred had a good one that was a story. Did oh, you see that one? Yeah, I did. I did. We need to. That's a let's a lot of time. Maybe we but... should do that one. We'll go for it. 
All right. So this is from Fred in the live chat. He says, I used to work in a local home center in the gardening department, which had numerous pesticides. Whenever someone would ask if I had anything for termites, I would send them to the lumber department. <laughs> nice. That, that's pretty good. Let's nice. do that. Good one, Fred. Thank you for that. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about what we've been watching or reading or listening to or whatever. Uh, so I'm going to go first this week. This video just came out today, and I've, I've kind of have known about it for a little bit. Uh, I was talking to Jimmy about it in Nashville. And it's the collaboration between this old Tony and Jimmy Duresta, which is like freaking dream team right there. Um, it is this like brass knuckle air, you know, blaster, whatever you call those things that you put on a, you know, the end of your air hose to, you know, spray stuff off. And it is so cool. Like, you know, this old Tony is an incredible machinist and, I think, I guess Jimmy kind of came up with the sketch of the idea and then Tony brought it into CAD and, you know, totally machined the thing perfectly. And man, it's a, it's a cool, yeah. cool setup for sure. I don't know. You guys watched this old Tony? Oh yeah. Yeah. Zach, have you watched his stuff yet? I haven't yet. Dude. I keep forgetting. You get, everybody tells me that Dude. I would love his stuff. You get to really it, man. Seriously. It. You are missing out on some really amazing stuff so i i sincerely mean to i just you should just put it on after the show immediately because it's amazing yeah it's uh it's a good one man he he is a he just came out of nowhere and he's like this super mysterious dude like people don't even know where he lives and it's a really interesting channel but he's he's grown like insanely fast because he just makes really good stuff so definitely go check it out James, so you got one? Yeah, um, there's a channel called uh, the Foot Powered Channel, um, or the Foot. It's Foot Powered Tools. There we are, um, and he covers restoration of and the history of foot powered uh, machinery, and some of it is just phenomenal. And as a hand tool guy, I I, I Google, I, I yeah, I, I love it. <laughs> but he just put out a video about uh, the the history. And uh, that was something I really never thought about. And the, the foot powered revolution really is a, you know, other than like a lathe, um, it was a very short period of time, um, pre world war. And, uh, then the world war came along and everyone had the scrap drives and all of these big monstrous foot powered machines were scrapped. Um, and there's really only a, a few left in comparison to how many there used to be. Uh, but a really a, a really cool video. If you like anything to do with hand tools or, or foot power tools, it's definitely a must watch. Nice, cool. Zach, you got one. Um, mostly, I've been watching a lot of NOAA lately. NOAA, which shows the paths, projected paths of Hurricane Irma. <laughs> so it's not the most interesting thing to watch, but some good information for sure. Uh, no, I did stumble upon. Uh, his name is a uh, DIY Pete. I'm sure everybody's oh, yeah. heard of him, but uh, he has some, he has some cool stuff out there. He does some, a lot of stuff with uh, concrete and wood. So I watched uh, one or two of his videos and, and they were pretty good. So, yeah. yeah, no, I was totally binging on his stuff leading up to, uh, leading up to doing this project. So him and 
I, I would say him and Minueta really kind of own that concrete space on YouTube as far as furniture building. They they've really kind of made it uh, both of their specialties, I think, and they do a really good job with it. It's uh, I think to me it was something I would never have even considered for furniture, and they've kind of made it a thing. So uh, yeah, he's he's a he's a good one. Well, uh, favorite tool of the week, James, you want to kick us off? Yeah. Um, speaking of cutting uh, French cleats, I have to go with the saw bench. Um, it's, it's just a, a kind of a cool, simple tool. It is a bench that is approximately the height of a chair um, that you can rip things down. And it is a very comfortable, ergonomic way of using a handsaw to, um, to rip wood. And uh, just a lot of fun. One of those things I wish I had built a long time ago or had space for a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah, that would be... Uh, if I got more into hand tools, not that I'm ever going to rip wood with a hand saw, <laughs> but... Uh, if I mean, I if did, nothing else, it's a great place to sit. Yeah. It, I mean, it's just adorable. You know, it's just like uh, one of those... <laughs> you always see... Uh, what's his name? Roy using them, and they just always look so cool. So, yeah. that's funny. Well, mine is the... The the new well not really new but the the Joe Berg's Elite 2000 workbench um, I finally you know it's kind of been sitting over uh, on the side you know because I, I kind of wanted to you know build the Rubo and at least use it for a little while before I figured out what I was going to do with it just because I mean I spent a long time building that thing and you know I was pretty proud of it so um, yeah so it's the Joe Berg Elite. 2000, which is a pretty similar size, really. It's like 71 inches long, I think, um, 24 inches wide. And it's a beast, man. That thing, it, it is absolutely rock solid and I cannot move it. I could actually move my Rubo, you know, kind of not easily, but you know, more, more easily because it's made of pine and this thing's all solid beach. So it's, uh, it's beefy for sure. Um, one beach weird is thing such is such a nice wood. Yeah, well, it's it's yeah, it's just so solid. Makes hard maple look like a oh yeah, soft. Well, makes southern yellow pine look very very soft. <laughs> that is for sure. Um, but the one kind of unique thing is it has one inch uh, dog holes, which is kind of interesting. But uh, that's that's huge. Yeah, but it's actually funny because that's what uh, what's his name Chris uh, Chris Schwarz's tooling company Crucible. That's what their their holdfast fits one inch holes. So, yeah. um, hmm. although they're incredibly expensive, so I doubt I'll buy one. Sounds but like that's a, that's you see a that a lot more in the European yeah stuff, the larger size. Yeah, I, I might actually give give it a shot forging a couple holdfasts just for the heck of it. Because oh, that'd be sweet. Yeah, I mean, I've got the forge, I've got an anvil. Why not? It's uh, that, that's got to be one of the simpler uh, yeah. blacksmithing projects. So. Bend it over, flatten the nose. Pretty, pretty much. Or spend $140 on uh, one from Crucible. So I, I know that's an easy choice to me. So, yeah. So the bench is uh, awesome. Zach, how about you, man? What, what's, uh, Sharpies. Sharpies. <laughs> oh, Lord. So easy. <laughs> I've found, though, so this is kind of weird. Um, it is worthwhile to have about a hundred black Sharpies and about like 20 red ones. <laughs> red ones show up on metal for some reason really, really well. I don't know why it makes no sense. It defies physics, but, uh, yeah, try it. 
Yeah, that's 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 it. <laughs> All right, I, I've uh, I've used purple quite a lot on metal, and that works pretty I, well too. I haven't, but yeah, I, I, I mean, I've I've uh, pretty much just used black and red, but red seems to show up pretty well on uh, steel. So, all right, it's, it's worth a shot. Cool. Well, that is going to do it for the regular show this week thank you to everybody for listening uh once again if you want to help support the show for free uh give us a rating on itunes that is super helpful uh, really helps get more listeners on the show and uh again we are on patreon so we're moving into our after show after party right now for our five dollar up patrons so uh, that's another great way to support the show so thanks to everybody for listening and until next week happy building see ya